After half a century of division, overcoming our history of agony and disgrace, we're going to open the podcast to reunification, okay? Could we maybe open it later? Yeah, I don't know. There are no, there are no good options for this. Wait, what? This is the line? I thought you had a follow-up Yeah, line. where's the podcast? No, that's... I said we're going to open the podcast to reunification. We're going to open the damn to podcasting. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you can tell me. The only tagline you could find was in Korean with no translation. No, I found a French tagline. Oh, though. what's the French tagline? It seems like it's like... All right, let me... Let what me. is it in French? It's like... You one, want to mispronounce people, another language? Shut up. One people, two countries... One tear. Okay, great. Very sure. Like I, I'm trying to. I I want to. Uh, two friends, one podcast, one tear. Whatever. That's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's uh. I'm butchering a butcher. Um, that's what I JSA tagline. That didn't really help. Maybe a joint security area tagline. This is, I think, gonna really pay this off. This is good. This is good. Because you start a podcast, you want there to be momentum. You want yes. people to be like, huh? Certainty. What? Confidence. You're in good hands. Absolutely. Should I do what I've been doing on Ocean's Left? Bam, bam, bam. No, bam. no, no, okay, no, 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 okay, no. Okay, okay. Tune into the Ocean's Eleven episodes if you want to hear me do New York, New York. Yeah, every week. And uh, explain why that's a stupid bit. Yeah. You can hear me do countdowns for when the movie starts. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't start at three. No. This is Blank Strike with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce into the DMZ, baby. Sure. They get stuck in a joint security area. I don't they, know. They, get, they go to the bridge of no return. Sure. This is a main series on the films of Park Chan-wook. It is called I'm a Podcast, but that's okay. Yes. And today we are covering what we like to deem on on the, in this show a guarantor. Big guarantor. It is the, the thing that gives someone access to the checkbook. After two kind of uh, ignoble starts to his career, attempted starts to his career, he just fucking knocks it out of the park. Makes, no pun intended, yeah. what was uh, the most financially successful local mm -hmm. South Release. Korean film up until that point in time. Mm -hmm. And he's made himself a proven thing. That is all true. The film is called Joint Security Area JSA. It stars Hawkman, Dr. Fate. Okay, here he goes. Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher and um, Spinderella. What's her name? What the uh, fuck are you talking about? Yeah, the, uh, excuse me. Someone didn't see Black Adam Hurricane in 2022. Cyclonus. Uh, her name is Cyclone. Cyclone. Uh, there's a group in the world of Western comic books, Ben, yeah. which I think no one ever talks about those. No. Never, never being represented in media no. uh, called Wait, the. Hmm? No, I was just going to say, and I like to think of them as our modern mythology, but go on. Um, the Western Conference, the or Justice Society of America. So they are also the JSA. Now, Ben, you might be asking, what makes the JSA different from the JLA, the Justice League of America, a team I already know within the DC universe? I definitely wasn't wondering that. I'll tell you the on. answer. Yeah, different members. Sure. Okay. Dwayne the Rock Johnson spent like years just fucking drumming up this excitement of like, wait until you meet the JSA, and you're like, I I don't understand meaningfully what is different about this team. The answer is they existed before the Justice League in the comics, and they were replaced by the Justice League, which had better members. 
yeah. right. was kind of cooler. People thought leagues, I guess, were probably a little cooler than society. Right. For sure. And yeah. then they've sort of brought them back at some point, like a kind of throwback team. They've been back for a while. But, but it's sort of like, like the B team. Older members or oddball members or alternate universe versions of characters and whatever. You know, sometimes you learn stuff and then you're like, oh, there goes the memory of my third grade science yeah. project. Here's what I, I feel like that's <laughs> what just happened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like going down some drain. <laughs> what I hate is that this stuff is just in my head. Mm. It's it feels mm. like it's been there forever. Yeah. And it's not like I'm erasing other memories to fit it in there. It's that other information isn't getting in in the first place. You know, I'm like, I wish I understood how to do my taxes. Right. Instead, I can probably name 20 JSA members. Uh, I'm not particularly good on that, but I did see Black Adam, which I feel like you didn't. I didn't. And I, still haven't? I've watched pieces of it on, on TV and airplanes. I've right. not actually... Completely redressed power, yeah. the hierarchy of power, and whatever, which has changed. Um, so Black Adam is not the movie we're talking uh, about. Today. Features the JSA, right? And is, they are all there. They are. It, all there. it is the funniest thing in the world to me in that movie when you know he shows up. Oh, Black Adam's here. Uh -huh. and he's punching people or yeah. whatever, and it's, it's just very angry. You know, uh, fucking um, Aldous Hodge who plays Hawkman. Yeah. You know, gets on the line with Viola Davis playing lady, yeah. you know, DC lady. Amanda Waller? Correct. The wall. And he's she's just like, here's the deal. Black Adam. What's the play? He's like, easy. Adam Smasher. Dr. Fate. Yeah. Fucking Cyclone. We'll do. We'll take. I'm just like, what is this? What is this team? What, who, who are these people? What right. about Superman? Yes. Maybe call that guy. Right, and if you're going to fucking bring the JSA, I swear to God we're going to talk about the actual movie in question here, but if you're going to bring the JSA into a movie, shouldn't you be like, this is the secret society, the oldest standing superhero team, mm -hmm. rather than being like, we're going to throw some new members in. Here are a bunch uh, of guys who basically never worked together before. That's the plot of the Hulk movie. Man they and don't Dr. know Fate each other. Have a little bit They're of just a history. Like, hey, what's up? No, yeah, him but and Dr. Fate kind are of in like, past go lives, way back. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um... That's JSA. not what this movie is about. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. <laughs> that it is not about any of that yeah. silliness. Yeah, there's already enough drama in this movie. I hate to see what happened. A black Adam showed up. Um, so here we are. We don't area. have a guest. We, we were going to have a guest. We were going to have uh, a guest. He canceled very late. And Which it does fall busy life circumstances. And we were up against it. And so yes. here we are. And uh, that's the clue. He was a he. He was a he. Oh. And I think he is someone we will have on at some future point. I think will be yeah, a great be guest. Um, but uh, um, we won't say who it is, but uh, this is an episode we're recording this fairly out of order. We're, we've basically done. We've done almost all of our Park Chan Wook miniseries at this point. All apart but the last from two. the last two films. Right. Uh, we had delayed this episode because of guest consideration. Right. Because let's just say this does not feel like the best episode for just three white guys to talk oh, about solo. Relax. I'm not out about it. But it is, this is a movie that is so culturally important within that local cinema, right? And is so tied to the recent history of that country that we just have to be very upfront. There's a lot of stuff we probably don't totally understand in this movie. Yeah, don't worry Can't about it. Can't speak too super accurately, but we were trying to find a guest for it and uh, we were unsuccessful. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Happened last minute. Um, here we are. We're talking JSA. We're talking... Yep. Park's guarantor mm -hmm. for his long successful career. Yes. A total turnaround. Yes. Um, Similar. From his first two 
you know, uh, yeah. sort of basically failed efforts to make something that would catch on. Similar to M. Night Shyamalan, a guy who had grand ambitions, two swings at bat, failed to connect, and then went like, fuck it, I'm going to make a hit. Um, and we can talk about that because, yes, I do feel and like... Worked. Uh, it was almost calculated. He he yeah. does have a writing credit on this, but I think you know it has it, there's four writ credited writers. This was a little more of like a a project he came aboard. Sure. Um, but uh, let's talk about where he's at. Sure. After my, the moon is the sun's dream and trio. Yeah. As we talked about in the last episode, my man, you know, became the kind of the coolest thing you can be. Stayed home, dad. Well, that is cool, but no, a movie critic. A famed movie critic. Well, okay. Okay. You like that he's basically just got your lifestyle at this point. I don't think. I mean... All but a podcast. I, no, it's very interesting that his film criticism, I think, was like crossover success level big. Yeah. Um, And I do think it was, from what I can understand of um, the Korean film in the 90s, like, there's just sort of explosive movie interest in fandom in general sure. in the 90s because of this like rush of Western films uh -huh. and suddenly the Korean film industry is kind of like back on its feet and there's lots of interesting stuff being produced. All, you know, like there's this just sort of like hyper-focused like um, uh, explosion of interest in movies mm -hmm. uh, and he's he's out there championing like his genre stuff uh, and all that. But He's connecting. He's giving people a prism through which to understand Western films. But he wants to make movies. He does. He hasn't really figured it out. No. He gets a couple years after Trio comes out. Because mm -hmm. this movie, George Scurrier, is coming out only three years later. Okay. Trio's 97, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This okay. is 2000 on the nugget. 2000. 2000. Yeah. He gets the chance to direct a short film called Judgment. Okay. Um, which I have not seen. It's about a real thing. Uh, the collapse of a department store in okay. Seoul. Uh, that killed 502 people, which is a lot. A lot. Was, uh, like was a gigantic that, fucking building that just like, uh, you know. Was it, was it a, was a structural failing? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, like the columns were wrong. I mean, you they really messed up this building. And this is why I don't design buildings. I could not live with that pressure. Um, but uh, so he makes this movie called Judgment that is uh, it's like a 26 minute movie it sounds incredibly depressing about mm -hmm. a like the, the body of a young girl uh from from this disaster uh in where two different people claim the body like a family comes to claim it but also one of the morgue workers is like no this is this is uh you know my daughter who disappeared like it's okay. this like weird you know kind of frightening dilemma of him it's it's the kind of stuff he's gonna be playing with yeah, in a yeah, while with a while for like yeah. the, the vengeance trilogy i feel mm -hmm. like here's what he says yes he was pretty poor when he's making this movie mm -hmm. uh he uh you know would uh sort of basically when he's making judgment you're saying uh exactly he says he, he would sort of hang out with his wealthier friends uh and milk them just for i guess a little bit of money mm-hmm to sort of, you know, get enough together to make this. Had them buy people lunch. I don't know. I'm trying to say, wait. He's just talking about how Clint Eastwood is in Steve McQueen or Magnetic movie presence. His his quotes can be kind of hard to parse. So DJ included three pages in the dossier here just of his lunch orders? 
Um, I need to pare this down, JJ. Anyway, uh, joint security area. That's coming to him fairly soon after this, obviously, because Judgment is 1999. Uh, JSA is 2000. How does this come to him? Trio had attracted the attention of a producer okay. named Shim Jae Myung. As always, apologies for however I am mangling uh, any Korean pronunciation. Uh, this person had a production company um, and uh, she reached out and was like, do you want to add a, uh, uh, sorry, uh, direct an adaptation of a novel called DMZ? Okay. Uh, referring, of course, to demilitarized zone between mm-hmm. North and South Korea. Uh, this is a novel that's been floating around. They've been trying to figure it out. So this, and that's what this is. Obviously, Joint Security Area is based on this novel, but this is like a big budget, commercially minded project. This mm-hmm. is not some weird noir you're going to make for 50 bucks uh, where you're trying to challenge the form or whatever. This sure. is a thriller set in a very famous part of this country uh-huh. that is politically charged and loaded with history and meaning, but also it's just like a tense, cool environment to think about, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a big old border with soldiers on each side staring at each other. What if those soldiers became friends? It's a yes. totally... And then there was a murder mystery, right? And right. It's, a, it's just a, an immediately arresting concept. It's Would you agree? Yeah, it's basically a murder mystery where the the twist is they were friends all along. Right. That all of this was done out of basically shame to cover up their friendship. So he essentially is like, I need to shake the reputation I have as like experimental sure. director who's better as a critic. Right, I want to make right. something mainstream and 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 like style over substance, a hundred percent. Right, you know, right. it's all this is all just referential, and it's not, yeah. you know, heady flash technique shit. Uh, the subject was about the division of the Korean Peninsula. It had the structure of a crime thriller, my favorite kind of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting a real budget because Myung Film, which is uh, this producer's company, is a real production company with a real system in place. Um, so the only Anxiety he has is this film is about North Korea mm-hmm. uh, and you know about the uh, the 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 two countries touchy to it's say sensitive. the least yes um there apparently was uh, the way he he puts it a strong law a social security law and there was some fear that the film would basically be against this law in some like that they would get in legal trouble okay oh probably over the depiction of. Whatever, you know, the Korean military. Uh I'm going off his quote, which is somewhat vague. He just says, like, the producer and I thought if we make this film that we might have to go to jail because it's against the security law. Okay. Um, But they also were sort of like, you know what? If it's a huge hit, I'm not going to go to jail or I will go to jail and only make it a bigger hit, right? I don't know. They had some sort of calculation of, like, you know, publicity is publicity. Uh Uh, The film was a gigantic sensation. uh, And contrary to his fear, it in fact... Uh, ended up softening that social security law. Uh, people started to laugh at the ridiculous, rigid kind of system, he said. It, it does, look, obviously lacking the uh, feet on the ground understanding of the cultural climate this movie came out in, it does feel to me in what I was reading about it and its response and watching the thing, obviously, that this was like one of those examples of a movie completely meeting its moment Yes. And sort of like speaking what was sort of unspoken in the culture and allowing some sort of sense of, I don't know, reexamination. Right. 
Um, Kim Dae-jung, who is the president of South Korea from 98 to 2003, uh, so like right at this time, yeah, he's this very transformational figure in Korean politics as well. And he is very focused on like trying to enact some kind of peace process, peace process between the two Koreas and like softening relations and, you know, like all this stuff. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. I think in the air, generally, there is mm -hmm. a sense of thaw. Um, so like a film that somewhat positively depicts the North. Yeah. Like certainly has sympathetic characters in the North Korean military. That's the biggest thing. Um, maybe there's a time in Korea that would have been more of a taboo thing to depict. But I think like now it's sort of like, this is the moment for, you know, whatever, this kind of interpretation. Well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, the the weird thing of uh, entire countries being, like, villainized or othered in your culture. Uh, eventually, people start to question, by and large, why they are living with those assumptions. Um, yes, right, I, whatever, exactly. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's right time, right place in a yes. way. He, he somewhat, I think he now will kind of, not talk negatively about this movie exactly, but kind of be like, oh, you know, JSA, my sort of pulpy hit. You know what I sure. mean? Like, I think he feels like he moved beyond it in terms of maturity of his storytelling and how challenging it is. Some The kind of commercial thing he maybe wouldn't be drawn towards anymore. Uh, he says, JSA is a well-made commercial film. In my eyes, it could also be an example of queer cinema dealing with division. Well, no shit, buddy. Yeah, I was... You watch this movie, obviously, sure. that's an undercurrent to it, yes. but that's all it ends up being. Yes, I do... And maybe he's sort of like, well, now if I made that, maybe that that's, like, fleshed out. Covering this uh, so early in our miniseries, as you folks are listening to it chronologically, but so late in our experience of recording these episodes, I had held off on watching this for a while as we've been going through all the other films, and I hadn't seen this movie before... And I've just had this, the, the Arrow Blu-ray sitting on my shelf staring at me as I keep on taking other things off the shelf, skipping this one, jumping ahead to other park movies, right? Do you have that, that Arrow uh, yes, sort of exactly. Blu-ray? And I think both Very in nice. the way that, like, as in the dossiers, he, the quotes, he talks about this movie. Yeah. Retrospectively as, like, that was my pulpy early film, whatever. That was my big hit. That was my big commercial movie. Uh, and also just the Arrow cover... I think I was expecting this to be more of like, oh, he just made like an action movie. This is like an action thriller versus what really is like an odd morality story. And I'm nodding. I, I'm I'm surprised by how much he kind of writes it off. His movies obviously get more complicated after this, but this is a film that is taking a relatively yeah. complicated, like creating a complicated moral stance, especially for the moment in which it's being made. And also, he's already playing with, for the first time successfully, all of his, like, ideas about narrative How to structure and form and all that shit. This like, it's movie not like is, this is some straight-ahead fucking war film. This movie is really good, in my really opinion. I've good. seen it two or three times, and I am wow. always, like... Humble brag. Thank you. Um, I mean, just thank you so much for pointing out that that was such a humble brag of mine. Of course. Um... Okay, I am, don't be too fucking I'm humble about it. Always like I remember that it's sort of a murder mystery and yeah. that it's like this this female officer is trying to unravel like what happened here, you know, right? You know. Uh, which is just as Park is saying, like, I, I'm immediately on board with that kind of thing. I love a sort of like 
you know, walking around a crime scene in the first scene. It's like, well, the bullets are here. Blood spatter here. You right. know, this guy died here. He survived. You know, he's missing. And the cop's like, you know, you know, it seems to me that he killed him and he flew over there. And the lady's like, yeah, yeah no, it sure seems that way. Unless it's not that way and right. there's something else going on. And then she picks up some piece of fluff. Like, that's what I love. The sort of He does the kind of Columbo thing in reverse, right? Where, like, Columbo will start out with you seeing the crime. Um, right. The, Columbo, the, the how catch him, they call right, it. Right. Comes yeah. to the scene. Everyone else thinks it's one way. And Columbo figures out Columbo's the like, right questions and to And we act. know. Yes. Now, of course, you haven't watched Poker Face. I David, <gasps> there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Yeah, because Poker Face is doing this too. Right. It's eight it, seasons, eight episode or ten episode. I've watched all but the last. Uh, I think it's ten. I think I've watched seven out of ten now. I I finally. What's the last did, one you watched? The last one I watched was, or maybe it's six. The the Judith Light Esapatha yeah, Marcus. Yeah, six. That's okay, so I've watched six out fun. of ten. Yeah. Um, I've been downing it. It's fucking incredible. But you you have not yet seen the one that's about Phil Tippett. No, with Nolte, which I'm yeah, very which excited Which I think for. you'll really like. But, um, but it's obviously riffing on the same format, right? Where it's like the first 15 minutes of each episode is like you're not even seeing Natasha Lyonne. Um, you're yes. placed into a set of circumstances that you don't you understand. Watch this whole drama play out that ends in a murder. Right. But of course, what's you know, with Columbo, it's like, well, Columbo's smart. Yeah. I'm not saying that Poker Face isn't smart. I forget sure. what her name is. Miss Poker Face. Lady Poker Face. Yes. Uh, Miss P Face. Mm -hmm. Um, but she knows when someone lies yeah. and it is always just so thrilling in poker face Yes, when you're like, she's about to like, she's moving on. Like she's not even going to hear about, even oh, though it's the best. Part. And then she one guy says a this. lie that's so odd. Right. It doesn't why, feel odd to anyone, but like, she's person... just like, why would he lie about that? Right. And then she can't help but. Right. I love that thing. Right. The park movies tend to do a similar thing, except he does the opposite of it structurally. Yes. Which is you spend a good chunk of time in the sort of unknowability of a thing. And then rather than make it the big twist at the end, yeah. somewhere in the middle, he just kind of stops the movie and starts unpacking everything. Um, and so this has a bit of that. Yes. But it actually does kind of, in my, I'm a little, I've always been a little annoyed that it kind of actually means that. And it's more just kind of after that setup. He's just like, let me just show you what happened. But it does, take, and maybe she'll figure it out. It does right. take like thirty or forty minutes before you get to that. I mean, we we were talking because we we just did Lady Vengeance last night, but that he wrote that movie uh, for her because he felt like I didn't give her enough to do in JSA. Yeah, and you start JSA, and you're like, well, this is her movie. This is fucking a few good men, and she's Tom Cruise. Um, right, 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 right. Which would be cool, right? And it it's like he. He's not doing the, I bet you wonder how I got here. And then just immediately the whole movie's a flashback. And he's also not doing the, were we talking about this the other day? The thing that now all these fucking prestige TV shows do where like the cold open of the first episode is some insane scene and then it cuts the title and the rest of the season is trying to get back to that point. Uh, right. Um, wait, what is that? The cold open and then, I don't know, I can't remember... I can't remember anything anymore. I can't either. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. The thing I like about him is he he only takes you into a different temporality when you've gotten so comfortable in one place that you don't even think about moving now, over. Now, I will confess. Yeah. And maybe you feel this way. Sure. Sometimes I'm 
Like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because he doesn't do no. any tricks. No. He won't throw a snap a color filter on. Nope. He obviously won't give us a, you know, a, a title card or I, I a dissolve. Maybe it makes it sound dumb. His movies do require an intense amount of concentration, I think, on repeat viewings. Yes. They become a lot clearer, but you don't, yes, when when things are shifting from one place to another, one perspective or another, it's sometimes hard to acclimate yourself. I will say this, too, uh, especially with this podcast when we're watching movies. I know I'm going to have to talk about them. Uh, if I'm struggling with a film, I'll often pull up the old Wikipedia, mm -hmm. the most reliable website in the internet. Oh, you're about to complain that the the Wikipedia entries for some of these movies are are not helpful in that regard. Well, yeah, because it's it, the problem is it's like they Wikipedia user edited, right? Wait, what? There is no consistent. That's not written by one guy. Style guide, basically. Yeah, Richardpedia. Right. Rickypedia is the name of the man who runs all of it. Yes. Um, no, it, it's that some people in their like uh, plot summaries synopses on their Wikipedia entries for these movies will just lay out the events of the film. Right, without any kind of uh, thought. In the most obvious just chronological Then this happens, order. then this happens, then well, this happens. Right. Some, yeah. some people do that. Some people do, I'm explaining to you what the actual story of the movie is, not how the story is told within the uh -huh. film. And most of them, I find, split the difference. Right. So right, if right. I'm watching one of these movies and I'm like, trying to make sure I'm keeping the plot thread straight. Let me just look over at the Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Then I read a sense where I'm like, I don't think that happened. That just happened and I missed that. And then it happens 30 minutes later and you're like, the Wikipedia guy decided to fucking flip this all out of order. But yes, I was often disoriented while watching this film. Uh, I think most yeah. of his movies, by the end, you go, oh, now I think I figure out where everything was. Um, but in the moment, you sometimes don't have your bearings. Um, I, yes. I think in this film, you'll start a scene and one or two minutes in, you will be like, okay, I think I understand that this is the past and yes. I am now getting further context for what happened here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it is, uh, I think, a sort of like quite daring and challenging film considering that its rep when you were looking at Park Chan-wook's career is like, yeah, you know, the fucking popcorn flick he made right. about soldiers. Yes. Um, uh, the first time I watched it, this movie, I definitely remember being like, I'm not sure I know what's going on, uh, for like half the movie. Right. Um, that might be kind of embarrassing also, to say. Cut it out. No, no I'm keep joking. it in, keep it in. The, the thing of like, this setup, what happened here? What a bizarre crime, right? Yeah. How do we crack this? And everyone's trying to view it through, like, a political prism, right? Right. Like, what is the weird political intrigue? What are the weird things that led to this set of circumstances? And and the twist being, as I said, like, oh, it's basically this was an entirely emotional, interpersonal story that then was uh, covered up to make it seem like a more complicated political situation. Sure. Right. Right. I mean, right? like the core of the thing is actually like, Oh, th this is all just about some people became friends who publicly should not have been friends. Right. And then they mistakes were made, right? Mistakes were made. Some people got shot, some intentionally, some not. Right. And it's that like, rhymed. it actually benefits everyone to make it seem like something more nefarious was going on. Exactly. But no, the, the, then, the fundamental thing is they were nice to each other and decided to become friends. We hung out a lot. Right. And you're like, I'd rather make it seem like I deliberately assassinated someone. 
Right. Than and admit. Es- and was kidnapped and escaped and right. all of this. Yes. Well, it's uh, for their own safety. Yeah. It's for their own safety. Um, They're protecting themselves by having two different reports. Yes. Of how things went down. But, you know, it kind of causes a lot of confusion and chaos. It does. What a tangled web we weave, et cetera. But. Joint <laughs> security. Okay. So um, they, they write, Hawkman. he writes this film with various people. Cyclone. Hawkman, Cyclone, all those guys. Say Adam Smasher. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just my favorite thing in that movie is that you haven't seen it, but the end. But uh, fucking Hawkman and Dr. Fate, you know, they're going into the battle mm-hmm. with this sort of energy of like, you know, we've had a long run together. Have you? And, you know, it's like, oh, this is tough, but I'm really going to miss you. And I'm like, you're 40 years older than him. Yeah. I've never seen either of you in a movie before. Yeah. Am I supposed to just buy this? Like, ah, these two, Hawkman and Dr. Fate. Well, so Hawkman's thing in the comics is that he's like constantly reincarnated. Yeah. Right? He's like an Egyptian god or whatever. Right. And yeah. Jimmy Collette Sarah was like, we shot like the whole explanation of they've been friends in past lives. And then we cut it out. There goes a beach vacation I took. <laughs> like, you While know, we were talking? Freshman then year of high don't school. Don't act oh, like you're, just you're talking retaining about... this. No, you're right. I'm yeah. just joking. You won't remember any of this. <laughs> you're not making room for this. <laughs> no. We're going to quiz you. Watch this. Ben, can you name the five members of the Justice Society of America as the team exists in Black Adam? Sure. Hawkfucker. <laughs> good, good. Good. Okay. Smash guy. Okay. Uh, Adam. <laughs> ben, memory's still intact. You're doing okay. All right, fine. David, go on. Um, Joint Security Area uh, originally planned to shoot on location in the uh, sort of Korean truce village of Panmunjom, uh, which uh, is right next to the JSA. Okay. Uh, South Korean military essentially decided, no. Mm. I think they thought about it, but said no. They spent a million dollars making a replica version, uh, the most expensive movie set in the history of Korean cinema. Wow. Uh, also, the first Korean film to ever be shot on Super 35. Okay. Uh, which is basically what most Hollywood movies at the time were being shot on, yeah. but uh, was, um, you know, big widescreen uh, film stock, obviously, but that movie was rarer for a Korean film. Looks phenomenal. Looks fucking great. Yeah. Um, and then the cast is loaded with yes. very big names, but I think a lot of them were at the start of their career here. Sure. Uh, uh, so you got Lee Jung Lee Young A. Look, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, who plays uh, Sophie, Major Sophie? Yes. Uh, she's obviously going to be the star of Lady Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Lee Byung Hung, uh, who is one of the biggest. Korean actors alive to this day. I feel like he's best known. A lot of crossover stuff here. Good, the bad, and the weird. Right. Um, uh, I really saw the big. devil. Yeah. Uh, I saw the devil. But he's he's Storm Shadow in the GI Joe movies. Sure he's is. in Now You See Me Two. He's a Magnificent Seven. He's in Red Two. He's in Red Two. Right. He's done a number of American films. Uh, uh, he's, he's in Squid Game, I believe. He's the the new Terminator in Genesis. He's the new yeah, he's Robert the Patrick. T one thousand two point or whatever. Sure. Um, I can never keep track. We really need to do the Terminators on Patreon because yep. just, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yep, we do. But uh, that was my immediate takeaway when this movie started. I did not know he was in it, and uh, right. uh, I did not know he was uh, that old. Yeah. Oh, sure. He Secretly old. Fucking phenomenal. He's fifty-two. He. Yeah, you're right. He showed no, up he's in this movie, guy. and I went like mathematically, how could he be in this? When right. I saw him in American films, I assumed he was thirty. Right. Um. No, he's 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 on the older side. Um. Yep. So you got the you got uh, him. You've got uh, Kim Tae Woo, uh-huh. 
uh who plays um he plays the um the the guy who tries to kill himself by okay. like jumping out the window. Did you mention Song Kang Ho? I'm not at him well, yet. Well, I'm sorry for disrupting uh, your narrative. Who order. I feel like Kim Tae Woo is best known as a, a big Hong Sang Soo guy. Okay. I know you're not really a Hong Sang Soo guy, but one day you'll watch his 40 movies. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the great Korean filmmakers. I've seen a couple. Okay. I mean, like, yeah. you know, he directs films where people are just talking at a table for 25 minutes and then suddenly he zooms in on someone's face and you're like, oh my God. Or he'll make movies where it's like, yeah, it's about like a guy who wants to date a girl, but one weird thing happens. You know, and like that's kind of enough for you to be like, <laughs> fuck. Um, I'm intrigued. He rolls. Uh, the only problem with him is that every year I'm like, okay, I think I'm like pretty fresh on him. Yeah. And then he's like, I have three new movies, bitch. I made them <laughs> yesterday. And you're like, ah, god damn it. I can't keep track. Um, for a listener who would maybe want to get into his stuff, what's a good entry movie? I really recommend that's a really good question. Uh, right now, Wrong Then is sort of a, the classic. I've seen that one. Uh, which is the one where it's like you watch a date happen and then halfway into the movie, he's like, we're going to watch the same date happen and it's going to go differently. Oh, it's just that. Okay. It's like the date I like twice. that. Yeah. Uh, I really like Yourself and Yours, which is impossible to describe. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, fucking ask JJ because he's like the biggest Hong Sang Soo fan in America and uh, our researcher. Uh, and he'll tell you, he'll probably send you a really long text message. That's right, JJ. I'm dragging you. He'll send you a very long text message late at night and then send you an even longer text message apologizing for the length of the text message. <laughs> um, so, uh, and then yes, uh, you've got Sung Kang Ho, who we'll talk about more in a minute, but obviously <laughs> yeah. is going to be in lots of the films we're talking about going forward and is one of the great actors alive. Agreed. I think. Yes. And really, post-Parasite, I feel like Western, even like many, many Western viewers finally are sort of like, I'm fully aware of that guy. I know you said you want to talk about more later, but just while we're on this, can I say this? Because it's a general just as he stands today. He is, uh, it, it is incredible how his command of his instrument in terms of how expressive he is and the depths of emotion he can express while barely moving a muscle on his face. And the older he's gotten, I think the more powerful he's gotten only because his face becomes more interesting as lines develop, as gravity develops or whatever. It is fascinating to watch him this young when his face is kind of like perfect when he doesn't have, he's not wearing his experience, you know, and still be able to communicate so much with so little. There's just like incredibly deep reservoir feeling in this guy that he is able to convey with a real economy of uh, actual movement and gesture. Um, I, I he's the best. He's the I best. agree. Incredible pun. One thing that's interesting, apparently, is that the North Korean actors, mm-hmm. he pulled out of the theater world and the South Korean the South Korean characters sure. in this movie, he pulled out of like the more sort of popular entertainment world. Oh, He wanted the South Koreans to feel looser. Sure. He wanted the North Korean actors to feel like more strict. He wouldn't let them improvise. Apparently, Song Kang-ho was mad about that. Like, so basically, they had to feel like rigid. Right. Accomplished you know? the difference through getting people from different acting schools and right. styles. Exactly. That's... Cool. All right, so let me give you some Song Kang-ho news. Please. News or, or background? But also maybe do a little Google News search. See what's always got popping. Why not? Song Kang-ho news. Click the news tab. It's a new segment called Let Me Be Song Kang-ho. Apparently he's in a new film called Cobweb. Okay, cool. Uh, in which he plays a director. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the new big thing. Uh, indulgent. Okay. <laughs> it seems to be the take on this movie. Uh, now give me some background. 
came up in community theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, didn't I think go to like film acting or like it was film school or anything like that. It's he's a theater guy. Doesn't appear okay. in a movie until he's twenty nine. Okay, he is in. The Day the Pig Fell into a Well, which is the first Hong Sang-soo movie. Gotcha. And one of the great titles. Yeah, pretty incredible. Uh, uh, how old is he in this? Well, uh, if that was 96, so he's probably like 34, 35. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, he's in uh, Lee Chang Dong's film, Greenfish. That's uh, Lee Chang Dong, Dong's first movie, which I highly recommend. Uh, I recommend all his movies. Mm-hmm. You know him uh, best for Burning, probably. Yes. Uh, his last film, which mm-hmm. is fucking great. Um you know, start doing some supporting roles. Then he's in Shiri, which I think we will talk about in a future episode, uh, which was a which was before JSA, the biggest Korean hit ever. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, supporting role there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then he's in this. So it's sort of like the man is stacking buzz, yeah. right? Yeah. He keeps popping up in these big movies. Yeah. He had no expectations from Park of director Park because his last his first two movies had not gone anywhere. Sure. Uh, says he has tremendous artistic talent and warmth as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he visited uh, the JSA when he was researching this role looked mm-hmm. into the eyes of an, a North Korean soldier um, he says I tensed up and got so nervous the North Korean soldier was very young and he gave a shy smile to me I cannot forget that moment you know and he thought like this is representative of the story this film is trying to tell the audience like these are people too they have their own emotions yeah. right you know they're not just like this scary wall of yes. you know yeah. Um, he says that this film he thinks was very important in a transformation kind of Korean ideology, trying to strip away the stereotype of North Koreans, allowing, you know, seeing them as people that they're the same as we are. Uh, he liked making it and basically was like, wherever this director goes, I'm there. Mm. Right. Yeah. Obviously he's also in tons of films, uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Right. But Um, this is before he's worked with Bong at all. Yes. Right. Yes, because he's not in Barking Dogs. His first movie with Bong is um, Memories of Murder, and which are, he's amazing in. Are, are Bong and Park already friends at this point? I don't, know. I don't, don't have know. a friendship database. Well, maybe you should. Maybe I should. Spend the rest of my life trying to figure out when everyone became friends IFDB. in the world. And a friend database. That's a good website. This is a good, this is a good business idea. So let's talk about the plot of JSA. And it is... As this is going to happen to us on, I feel like this happens to us on a lot of the episodes. Yes, these movies are tough to recap in a way because of the out of order. It's the narrative. Wikipedia problem. Am sure. I? Am I telling? our own Wikipedia problem? Like we, right. if we were Wikipedia, right? You're like, am I trying to recount the order in which the information is delivered to me, or the story as I now understand it on the other side? Um. Right. Uh. So there has been uh the there's been a murder. Mm-hmm. And the joint security area, the, the North Korean border house uh, across the bridge of no return at the DMZ, which is the, you know, the big demarcation line between North and South Korea after the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Uh, two North Korean soldiers are dead. One uh, was shot seven times. Right. So um, they're like, there's what was going on. This was not right. Yeah. Just like an, an assassination or whatever. Right. Um, a South Korean soldier, uh, Soo Hyuk, uh, was clearly who was a, a border soldier was clearly yeah. kidnapped or captive or something and mm-hmm. has escaped uh and been rescued this has all happened wounded leg he's hurt yeah this has all happened uh and so major sophie e jean of uh-huh. the swiss army yeah has been brought in by the united nations 
to basically like untangle this. Like yes. something crazy has happened. Yeah. Can we, uh, you know, diffuse this and figure out what went on with, before there's an escalation? Her Swiss bosses. Uh, yes. Her uh, Swiss superiors. Let's. This say. film actually has a surprising amount of English language dialogue. Yes. From her Swiss. Swiss German, you know, uh, bosses. It is that funny thing of like you're watching genuine like Swiss German actors. Right. Speaking in English, which is neither their natural language nor Park Chan-wook's natural language. But it's just, I don't think the performances are bad, but they do have that feeling sometimes of like, I don't know if you feel this, but when you watch like a foreign language film that has like one English speaking actor in it. And the temperature of that performance feels very different than everyone else. Right. But it also feels different than when you see an English-speaking performance in an American or English-speaking movie. Sure. Where you're like, it's at a different frequency. I agree with that. Yeah. I do think it's a bit of an odd... It's just, there's... There's just a fair amount of them, and it, it just ends up being completely inconsequential, I guess. It's sort of yeah. the, my real problem with it. Yes. Like, as, which is sort of the same with Sophie in general. Yeah, like I already said, she feels she's front loaded in this movie, and then very quickly, she's just yeah. You know, once again, a lot of other movies sort of would, would truly really just use her as means to an end. This is the cold open; it's five minutes, and then you go to the story. Right? The fact that this movie basically hands the whole first act over to her, yeah, uh, it makes you think like she should be more important. It feels like she's going to crack the case. Right? These are all going to be supporting characters, and her putting the puzzle pieces together. But that's not really it. She's no. more there to just kind of be like, huh, this autopsy's weird. This guy yeah. was shot a bunch. So there was there some sort of grudge? Huh, there's a bullet that no one can find. What happened there? Yeah, I feel like Dr. Park, I'm not even saying it's an audience surrogate character, but he usually places a character in the center of the movie who doesn't quite know what's going on, is being, is information is withheld from them. Right. Or obscured from them. And just tries to place you in their sense of confusion for a bit until you reveal what everyone else is up to. Whether or not they're the lead character. And she's like, she's serving that function. You're supposed to be watching her and also going, I can't figure this out either. Turns out what happened was they were all friends. They were all friends. And uh, they had a bunch of that 70s show hangs together. The real joint security area was the friendships we made along the way. I'm sorry for... The, that 70s show reference. But but they sit in a square. Yep. Around a table. Camera spinning. The camera is literally whipping around. They're smoking. They're smoking. Now, they're not smoking tubes. The wacky tobacco. No. Right. But of course, in that 70s show, they never really said that that's what they were doing. No, in the same way, there might be some jazz cigarettes right out of frame. I don't know. Um, but I could not help but be like, it's, a, it's like that 70s show. Yeah. Um, but I do love that it's just that's the mystery they were friends yeah they 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 learned that they have like shared humanity yes sort of by accident which is like almost the most shameful thing um, you're not supposed to right. think of them as actual human beings they have this surreal job which i think park is so fascinated by yes them just standing looking at each other yes across the border right feet away from each other right. and it's like you have these peoples who are Ethnically, basically the same. They're they're all Korean. Yes. They're all from this peninsula. Yeah. We fucking drew a line after the right. Korean War. 
And now they cannot interact with each other. And your culture is basically telling you the guy who is on the Them other up side there of that are line. terrifying, right? Yeah, right. They're right. like inhuman. They hate you. Blah yes. blah blah. All this, right? Um, and like that's all you know. That's all just like bubbling away. And these guys are the only guys like it feels like in the whole country who actually get to look at each other in the face. But of right. course, they can't talk. Right. Really. Yes. Uh, and you have like these early things where like the tourists. You're just you're just getting the emojis, right? I'm getting the, He's getting the emojis. Getting some diamonds. I'm doing some spins. What if I deleted some... that app and barred you from ever returning to it? Well, Would it be good for your life? No, it'd be fine. Someone on Reddit said that, and then I, someone in the comments was just like, "His vices could be so much." It, worse. That is so true. We should be happy. Yeah. This is where it's topping. But out. you know, I used to throw that in my mom's face when I was a teenager a lot. Yeah. Where she would be like, you know, why are you playing video games all day? And I'd be like, you know, the things I could be doing, and she'd yeah. kind of be like. All right, but you know, at the same time, my, my objection stands. You, you play too many videos. Uh, I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but on some level, I am sometimes astounded I don't have a crippling drug problem. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. Please don't develop one. Exactly. So I'm just like, let me just fucking spin the wheel. Uh, I, also, if you deleted it, wouldn't do anything because I back up all my data on Facebook. I have a fake Facebook account that I only use to back up Disney Emoji Blitz on two different devices. It's all in the cloud. You can't fucking take me down. I won't. I'm sorry. I would never dare. Um, but I just like all the... I, li I like all the aesthetics of the border itself that he's yeah. so... Like, that he keeps thinking They're about. so right on top of each other. Yeah. Only there, though. By the way, I just want... Right. Just briefly while we're on In this. other places throughout the border, there's so much more separation. Yes, I think that's the only place where, like, a, exa like a prisoner exchange would happen or whatever. That's, like, the bottleneck. I think it's. I think this actually has recently changed. I think there is some, like the J the the JSA now is kind of almost like a museum, like or whatever. But anyway, go on. Can I just quickly say to get us off subject, because you brought it up. I know I told you this, David. Is this going to be about that Disney emoji plots? Absolutely. We're talking about. It's the okay. Just you know, just just yeah, mark it and edit it out. All right. right. Yeah. And actually, AJ, keep it in triple it. I have a fake Facebook account that I only use to back up Disney Emoji Blitz on two different devices. I have a fake Facebook account that I only use to back up Disney Emoji Blitz on two different devices. I have a fake Facebook account that I only use to back up Disney Emoji Blitz on two different devices. But I've been playing this game for years. I get cast in Disney's Disenchanted. I get so excited at the notion that I'm going to fucking be in this game, right? It's like, oh, I'm like a cute animal character. Every time they have a new movie come out, be it in theaters or Disney Plus, they do a special event for the, the tie-in to the new Disney movie. They add the new emojis you can play as whatever. Disenchanted comes and goes, no inclusion in the app. You know what they just announced they're adding? The Golden Girls. Now, no disrespect to the Golden Girls. I mean, they're a pretty big deal. Those a guys fucking deal, own TV. A yeah. phenomenal sitcom. I don't think of them as, like, Disney characters. Well, they're in the wheelhouse now. Yeah. Were they on ABC? Yeah. Pip isn't. Thank you for being a friend. Right? That's, the, that's yeah. them? I'll get ready to get and hey, a bunch of fucking Blanche emojis coming in text soon. Good, but that's a good... Well, actually, kind of looking forward to that. Good uh, segue back to JSA. Hey! Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. It turns out they're friends. Some will down the road and back again. Um, you've got this North Korean soldiers uh, in the more sort of, you know, look, throwbacky communist uniforms. Like, you know... Pretty vintage, pretty classic. They do. South Korean guys, they've got the aviators, they've got the little round helmets. They have they, like they look uh, more like sort of UN peacekeepers. More modern jackets right. too. I'm not a war guy. I okay. think it's pretty well established. 
I hear you. The South Korean uniforms are pretty fucking sharp. Oh, you think they're sharp? I think they're pretty sharp. Fix up, look sharp. It's not a thing I really fetishize. Yeah. Sure. But I, I just was like, that's a, that's a good uniform. Um, one of uh the um South Korean soldiers, the mm-hmm. the lead, uh, So Hyuk, uh, Lee, Lee Byung Hung's character, was on patrol. Yeah. He gets lost. Yes. Which, by the way, like, don't do that. Don't do it. Bring a map or something. No. I don't know. Like, if I'm on patrol at the border, I definitely do not want to cross into the border. Yeah, if your job is to never cross a line, I wouldn't go wandering. Uh, right? Like, there's a physical line you never want to cross over. I wouldn't be like, let me just uh, stumble around and see what I happen upon. Um, he, well, he stumbles onto a mine. Uh-huh. The, um, the, one of the worst things you could stumble onto. I would be so fucking mad. I'd be fucking furious if I ever stepped on a mine. Um, and he is found by Kyung Phil, who is uh, Sung Kyung Ho's character, mm-hmm. um, and another guy, uh, Woo Jin, um, who is the other guy. Right. Uh, the guy who, if he's also, uh, Shin Ha Kyun, he's in uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and he's in uh, Lady Vengeance, and he's in lots of stuff. But here's this enemy that they're taught to demonize, and in a moment right. when you actually just see a human being standing on a mine with terror in their eyes, it is hard not to feel basic human empathy for that, that is, person. And they're, they're even having a little fun, I There's feel like. There's something about the dog mm-hmm. that also, the, animals are universally, we all can re- say that we love animals. I, I hear, yeah. There's, and they, like, like, there's the, this the, connection where like, you don't want to hurt. They brought a dog with them. It rumbles them by barking. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, the fucking dog. Like, why would we bring the dog? You know, like there's a whole thing with you're like, yeah, it's very relatable, right? Yeah. Like, you know, North it Korean dogs are humanity. that different from South Korean dogs. Right. Yes. Don't know politics. That's right. Dogs ain't got no country uh, lines. They just cute. They just cute. So they they just cute. Yes, they just cute. Um. So they they help him. They mm-hmm. free him from this mine. Um. And so they sort of start to become friends. Yeah. They throw each other messages. You doing anything tonight? <laughs> Look, their lives do seem boring. Yes. Like, it, it is monotonous yeah. and kind of crushingly dull, probably. I, I do think it's funny. I mean, you were saying that there's the um, gay subtext of this film, right? That there's the sort of perhaps romantic I mean, there, yes, undertone. I, there, look, there's this film doesn't pursue that angle, and that's fine, yeah. honestly, because it's more about this shared empathy that these uh, people discover for each other. But... I'm watching it being like, these guys are kind of in love, right? Like the main two guys. Especially when you literally start this thing out with like passing notes, right? It felt to me like kids getting hormonal in middle school being like, wait a second. Yeah. What's the other half doing? Right, right. You know? Like so much of them sort of like this weird clandestine, like we have to like meet while no one's looking and like share a drink does feel like uh, adolescence finally sort of like becoming aware and interested and curious right right um well they're like big uh teens in military uniforms yep and they're sneaking into a sleepover yeah um that's what it that's what i felt yeah right they start to basically have big big sleepover hangs it feels like the boys from the boys bunk sneaking out overnight into the girls bunk um, but, uh, you know, they play cards. I don't know what they do. Yeah. They smoke cigarettes. Drink yeah. hooch. Yeah. They drink hooch. Well, play like, cards? No, they just, they just, just guys being dudes. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, they, they fart. 
They do fart. They do fart. They have and, some fart jokes. Now, it, I, Thirst has a major fart element, which we'll talk about in that episode. I do like that my man's not above a fart joke. <laughs> He's not, but and only it's a the unifying power joke. of the fart. Right, yeah. fart as characterization. I would be annoyed. He's not using a fart as a punchline. Honestly, He's using it to reveal I, layers. I would be kind of like, okay, guys, we're really doing this? That's what I would be like. It seems like an incredibly bad fart, too. Yeah. They react to the fart almost with a more extreme panic than the landmine. Now, because it's too late. It's gone off. The fart's gone off. Right. There's no way to disarm it. <laughs> there is basically nothing else to describe about all of this until things go wrong. Right. You're not coming back into this until like 30, 40 minutes in. And then you're really living in it. You're, you're watching in it this. Yes, very yes. gradually develop. It is a thing I, uh, I love about his films. Uh, that you know, we talk, he does an odd order, an odd chronology, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he drops you into scenes without a complete understanding, awareness of where you are, when you are at first. Um, a thing I think he is very good at in all of his films that I think is almost like an under discussed aspect of narrative filmmaking is like the the actual nature of time, right? Sure, that movies play out in real time and unlike TV where you might binge all the episodes, you might watch them once a week, spread out, whatever, right? Or a book, which you pick up, put down at your own convenience. Movies are meant in theory to be watched from beginning to end when you start them uh, in whatever way you're watching them. And there are things that sink in more deeply if real time has passed in your life since an element was established, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, the fact that you actually have to watch them be friends for 40 minutes. You could do this all in a montage. You could just be like, and then peace was brokered, and it's like five minutes of just watching over months or weeks or days or whatever, their friendship growing. But I actually think because of where this film starts, because we start from trying to unravel the mystery... Because it's surprisingly, the puzzle, uh, like, solves itself to be like, oh, it was actually just about friendship. The thing he needs to do is have you live in their friendship for an actual period of time in your life. Right. You know, to really sit in this. Because then you start to lose track of, oh, right, something bad has to happen, right? Hmm. Mm. I know where this started. And, like, you know it's fraught. Right. You know... It's like, they can't be friends if in joint security area. Right, which if he makes the friendship 10 minutes of actual screen time, you're never going to lose track of the bad fallout that's going to happen. And then that will just sort of be like, well, yeah, obviously that was going to get rumbled. Because what right. happens is they eventually get rumbled. And it's yeah. like, there's no explanation. You can't be like, you don't get it. These guys are a good hang. Like, you know, right. like that's like because that's like basically all it is. Well, also just like the the combat intensifies. There's that moment where they're standing at the fence and they're watching all the explosions going off. Yeah, and they're sort of like standing there with tears in their eyes, and they're like, "I think we maybe shouldn't go over there and hang out with them anymore." Right. And there's just this feeling of like we've been living in this nice little we've bubble been, of like cognitive dissonance. But we're pushing our luck or whatever. Right. right. And the stakes of what's going on around us are just getting amped up. The longer we let this go on, the worse it's going to get. Especially because their service, they're they're close to both being done. Yeah. At least the soldiers on the South Korean side. Right. We've had our fun, but don't we want to like get out of here clean when this is over with and just move on with our lives? 
because there's there's no future to this friendship. Yeah, there's not really no. upside to the friendship apart from that it's nice that they uh have, you know, found some common humanity good. and all yeah. that. But right. They are more just kind of passing the time. Yeah. Like they're bored, they're they're here. It's nice that they can be pals. Yes. It's there's something transgressive and exciting about it, which is also Absolutely. where I feel like you start to just automatically think of like queer readings of this relationship. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, they they just start farting in each other's faces and drinking radiator wine or whatever. Right? Like it's not like that crazy. Yeah, there's you know, but there's also the excitement of showing someone, exposing them to a new kind of music. Sure. Yes. Hey, check out the snack cake. You never had it before. Oh, the snack cake. That's my favorite thing. Where like the most tense they get in the glory days of the friendship is the com the combative argument about who has better desserts. Yeah. Which culture has it's a, better it's a, treats? It's a good thing to debate. It's a great thing to debate. Who do you think has the best desserts? <sighs> Unfortunately, I gotta say the French. Yeah. Ah, the French. Yeah. The patisserie. Yeah. Um, Le financier. I did experience a cronut for the first time recently. Oh, you finally went, got You were near my office. It. You were yeah. at Dominique Cancel? Yep. What flavor Your was it? Office? What the fuck are you talking about? The Atlantic's about? office is in Soho. It's near... Dominique Ansel. I just want to point out that you just referred to Dominique Ansel as your office. No, I said you're near, near my, my office. Dominique Ansel. It was a, they're two separate uh, thoughts. Then it's my mistake. It's your mistake, I and you're you embarrassing. Go, I heard you say, "Ah, my office." Ah, the French. Did I ever tell the Michael Shannon story on Mike? Yes. Did I? I believe so. Did I? I'm pretty sure. Do you want to retell? It, it? happened at Dominique Ansel. Do you want to retell it? Saw Michael Shannon there. And I don't think I told this story. Did I, I tell this story? I don't okay. think you have. I've heard I, it before. I don't think I've heard, heard it. it. He's heard it. Then tell it. Tell Look, it. Look, I'm in. I'm in line at Dominique Cancel. I like to go and get their white chocolate macadamia nut cookie, which I think is good. That's yet another humble break. Uh, you know the cronut. I've had the cronut, but you know it's a the cronut is kind of a lot. Yeah, it's a pretty you know rich thing. I gotta say, it really did not uh, sort of start the day off the way you <laughs> right, thought it exactly. was. You're, you're not gonna be like <laughs> dashing through the street after downing that thing. I'm a little surprised by its staying power for that reason. It, it look, it's 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 totally good. It's it, just yeah. it's just a very very rich treat. It is. Uh, it's a it's a special thing. Mm -hmm. I'm in line. Dominique Cancel's always got a line. There's always tourists there. The guy in front of me, the cash register lady, mm -hmm. is waving him over. Hey. Yeah. You know, he's not looking. He's looking at his telephone. Yeah. Phone addicted world that we live in. Mm -hmm. So I don't even touch him, but I do the kind of like, hey, uh, you know, you're up. You know, yeah. I kind of like wait. Sure. And he turns to look at me and it is Michael Shannon, who big is Chicago really tall. Taller than you. I think he is, he's a really big guy. Like yeah. just generally like imposing. Sure. He's got like wild shaggy hair. Yeah. Big beard. Yeah. And he goes like, all right. Like he like goes to a hundred full take shelter. Yeah. Like, oh, it's my turn. You yeah. know, and I am like, while this is happening, I'm like, oh my God, this is Michael Shannon. And I seem to have annoyed him. Sure. Uh, or whatever. He goes and orders. He ordered like 400 fucking items. Yeah. Um, I go and order and then we're waiting. You're just standing there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just gonna look at my phone. I'm not going to have any further interaction with michael shannon i don't want to embarrass myself uh -huh. i don't want to do anything to annoy him more uh then he gets his order and unprompted just like claps me on the back and goes like i'll see you next time buddy and walks out see i 
It's a good story. You feel like you didn't hear, remember any of that story? No. So then maybe not. you never did tell it on Mike. I think I never told it on Mike. Our, I kept meaning to. I can't remember. There's some episode where I'm like, I got to tell my Michael Shannon story. Our buddies at Podcast the Ride have introduced a thing that I think is quietly revolutionary in podcasting. What's that? I don't want to just take their bit. What's the bit? They've instituted the Five Timers Club. For stories? Yes. We definitely have a few that belong, I think. Right. That, that would be automatic inductees. Right. You're not talking about which guests have been on multiple times. It's which exact anecdotes right. have been told five times. Sure, sure, sure. Because sure. you do this for long enough, and you start to really lose track of, have I said this before? And have I said it on this show? Right. In my real life too many times? On other people's podcasts? What have you? Right. But you start to wear it as a badge of honor. I think if a story we need our fans five to comb through the archive. Yes. Identify whoever reaches that level. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. definitely candidates. Uh, yeah, the story of me and my friend watching the documentary about aliens and finding out that Sigourney Weaver... At least three times. Got nominated I think it might That might be a 5 And you went, whoa! Whoa! Uh, okay. Um, anyway, that's, uh, Dominique. Oh, why'd you ever, oh, we were talking desserts. Chrono. Because the boys love oh, desserts. Yeah, right. Ah, oh, the French. <laughs> in the, in we're, we're going back up the inception levels to remember what the fuck we were and talking we're like, about. Fuck, this is where we were. Uh, <laughs> like, we go back, they kick, yeah. kick, and then we're, oh, right. Desserts. Just, yeah. Chrono, though, good. What flavor did you get? I feel like I just got, It's the like, seasonal flavor. It always changes. He's got wacky flavors, though. So there's always one flavor, hmm. and and it sort of rotates. It was like blood like, orange the last time I went there. Maybe I don't know. And maybe you've never had the real no. raspberry jam and pistachio. That kind of sounds like my shit. Oh la la, A raspberry jam and pistachio. I just imagine Lumiere serving all of these up. Um. Yeah. No, that sounds nice. Um. Okay. Okay. What else? Do they, do they just hang out. Look, eventually, they just hang out. It's revealed they got rumbled by a commanding officer. Well, also, guns yeah. got pulled. Right. The, they have this stuff of like, like I'm saying, there's the moment where they witness the combat and they they try to draw the line. Yeah. The the, uh, the South Koreans go like, we should we should try to end this. The, there's also you know there's the sort of charged moments with the guns. Yes. Where one of them's like, I'm a, the best shot, you know, yeah. with this, and the other one's like, Yeah, but have you ever actually fucking killed anyone? You know, right. like there's that kind of stuff. Foreshadowing. Uh, there's the foreshadowing there, and just the sort of like differing, whatever approaches to being in the military. Like you know, yeah. the Korean soldiers, the, the Korean volunteering, it's not volunteering. The Korean like length of service in yeah. South Korea is like two years, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously in North Korea, it's much longer, and basically like. So, so, so many people in that country are in the military. It's a very large military. It's like, you know, it's like a thing to do, I think. Yeah. Um, so there's that, you know, they're talking about those shared experiences. But yes, okay. Eventually, they're sort of like, should we pull back? Sure. Uh, then they get rumbled and guns get drawn and there's a yeah. Mexican standoff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everyone starts shooting each other. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean. Yes. Yes. And... And I do love this. Mm -hmm. Anytime it happens in fiction, the post, you know, right, you know, yes. a couple people are dead when one guy immediately figures out, like, here's what has to happen. You have to do this. Right. Pretend you escaped. You have to shoot me. Yeah. You know, in the arm or whatever. Right. And that all happens. And we arrive 
back in the present. You know what? I'm sorry. I was saying this is not one of those stories that starts at the dramatic climax and then takes you back to how you got there, right? But I did forget that the opening of this movie is The Owl. Yeah, well, I love Where you're like, what is this? And then you get back to it later. And not since Live and Let Die, Moonraker. I think it's Moonraker that that has has the double take from the pigeon. Yeah. Have we gotten such a good reaction shot from a bird? Um, opening with the owl is so cool. Yes. Yes, it's Moonraker. Right. And the owl is, uh, yeah, is responding to the gunshot. Um, yes, yes. Right, uh, the semi-accidental. The first gunshot, which, yes. you know, then leads to this, like, shootout. Right. Um, but then, yes, uh, the owl ties us back into the present. Interpolated with all of this mm-hmm. are all the interrogations. Yes. Where they're trying to untangle why, you know... It went down this way. What really happened? One of which, in panic, almost leads to a suicide attempt. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, the, that that character is a Sung Shik, I believe. Uh, he first uh, jumps out a window. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then um, shoots himself. Right. No, he attempts to he attempts shoots himself. Yeah, shoots, yeah. The right. Gun is not loaded. Himself. Gun isn't loaded. Then he jumps out the window. Yeah. Right. He, he's in a coma. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, Because he's terrified of uh, questioning, being Uh, under scrutiny. Yes. So um, there's that kind of, like, longer tale, right, of, like, Mm -hmm. they they cannot, like, sort of, there's a mess that they can't clean up, essentially. Like, and it's not only are there people dead, but there's, like, you know, the lingering impact on the people who survived is is too much to handle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do feel like, yeah, it's just this very good metaphor for, like, you know the ravages of like it's not even a war at this point i mean technically the war is still going on but just this like you know this never-ending standoff right um that that like i mean you know i don't want to weigh in on korean reunification or whatever but obviously it'd be better if everyone was together and was friends in my opinion i not to be uh uh very uh heterosexual about it and and keep hitting the same you're gonna be heterosexual i'm gonna be very heterosexual about it keep hitting the same point but i was just like what is this reminding me of and then i was like it's like the fucking little rascals movie where they're just like we're heterosexual is not the word okay go ahead he man the little woman haters club Uh here's our little clubhouse what's the one thing we know we hate women sure and then Alfalfa's like, oh, I think girls are kind of cool. Sure. Okay. And they start like sneaking over. I just, I want someone who listens to this show to write a PhD doctoral dissertation comparing on Griffin saying he was about to get heterosexual and then just describing a plot point from The Little Rascals. I'm movie. saying, nope, <laughs> book length. Just lay it all out. For 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 straighties, <laughs> the boring thing of like when you're a kid, you're just like, what do you know? Opposite sex is gross. When you're a little boy or a little girl, sure, you get pitted against each Ooh, other. Yucky. I see. I Don't want to be seen talking to them, right? And then once like the threshold is crossed, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. But also, no one can know about this. So you think the ideological differences between the Democratic Republic of Korea and uh, South Korea is similar to boys and girls thinking each other have cooties. I'm saying <laughs> North Korea's from Mars, South Korea's from Venus. Just saying, someone if someone just wants to take a bite at that apple, yeah. it's a big apple. Yeah. Um, it's a so- crunchy apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Where did you find such a bizarre warped mind to study? Um, oh, I listened to a podcast and this guy. Yeah, right. Like the 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 advising professor is like, this is this is too this out. Is astonishing. This is strange. How did you get security clearance? <laughs> it's like fucking Hannibal Lecter in a glass case. So eventually, yeah. as this is all getting untangled, Sophie gets pulled off the case. Uh-huh. It turns out her dad was a POW who had some North Korean ties during the war. She That makes her not neutral enough, and she can't do it anymore. Right. So then she's actually kind of freer to just sort of be with the guys and be like, come on, guys. Yep. Like, I know what really happened. Right. Or like, something really happened. Now she just wants to know for her own satisfaction, right. basically. Right. Yeah. Um, the loose end is the extra bullet. Yes. Right. They're able to do a count on how many bullets were... Uh, discharged, how many are left in the clip, and there's one bullet that's unaccounted for. Mm -hmm. And is able to figure out that there was some friendly fire. Mm -hmm. um, right. It turns out that uh, CO Hook um, actually shot first, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, eventually he, well, at the end of the movie, kills himself. Uh, out of guilt yes. over the entire thing, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there is this phenomenal closing shot. The photo. Of this photo that yeah. was taken at the beginning of the movie by a dumb tourist. Yes. Dumb American tourist in a red hat. Yeah. That, by mistake, unites all the characters. Right. Like this photo that just accidentally includes them all. Yeah, it's... It's very, very cool. There's the, the sort of... They were together the whole time. Poetic... Right. Yes. But also the idea of someone uh, unknowingly could walk by a scene, take a random photo, and not even understand what they're actually capturing in that moment. Right. That story, I've, I've probably fucking, I don't think it's a five-time, but I've definitely said this on the podcast before, that uh, you've read Born Standing Up, right? The Steve Martin book? Uh, yeah, years ago, yeah. yeah. There's the part in it where he like worked at Disneyland for years and years and years and did like the magic shows and shit. And then finally like had the moment where he's like, I, I need to like have the courage to make a go of this mm. and see if I can really be a comedian and quits Disneyland and like starts his career, right? After like he started working there when he was like 12 or something. Uh, insane from basically when it opened. Mm. And when he left Disneyland, he had this moment where he was like walking out the gates for the final time and looking back and being like, I wonder if this is the moment I'll regret for the rest of my life. And there was like a small mousy woman standing by the gates as the place was closing with a camera. And he was just like, I wonder if she's taking a picture of the places closing. And then like decades go by, Steve Martin becomes Steve Martin. He's obviously this huge fucking art collector. He goes to a Diane Arbus show and he sees the photo. Oh, that's insane. Wait, that's so cool. And it was Diane Arbus was yeah. that woman before she was well known. Yep. And here are the photos for sale. And he is like, this photo she could not have known right. is, is a... capturing the most pivotal moment in my life. That is cool. It is that exact day. It is that exact moment. And she didn't know what she was taking. Right. You she, know, and, and it's like, this is a much more complicated tableau with right, a lot then, of... Than this random tourist right, taking a photo just a tourist going like, what a weird thing. Now, is This there, joint security area. Is there a photo of Alfalfa realizing that he actually likes girls, though? Yes. Like the moment that yes. he realized it. Yeah. Anthony Pelicano... That's how that movie ends. Was tapping. Like black and white. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that all the time. The Little Rascals movie should have a moment where a, pr a private eye comes out and goes, you're not going to like what you see and gives Spanky a manila envelope of photos. <laughs> 
But as someone who's lived in New York for yeah. quite a while, I mean, you're both lifelong New Yorkers, of course. Yeah. Um, we're in so David many tourist photos. Yes. Wearing masks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. I suppose that's true. People yeah. are always taking photos. I, I think about that all the time. Just yeah. there's all of these photos of me floating out there in the ether and the yeah. background of random people mm -hmm. from all over Especially the world. Especially in a smartphone Family era. vacation. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's funny to think about. But yeah, no, it's a beautiful ending. And it's, it, it's, look, it's, it's a very universal concept, but it is a thing I've not really seen people put in the movies. It, the, the opening of Past Lives does a similar thing, I think, so well. Yes. Where you're just like people watching. Yeah, like, which we do all the time. Right. And you, then you have the idle thoughts. Oh, what's this? What's this like trio of people in a restaurant? Right. Like, I, this doesn't look like everyone else. Right. Like, right. You know, See two people of the same age, oh, they're on a date, they're right. married, whatever, you know, but like, oh, what these three people, what's the deal here? Right. And you, you, you're kind of curious, you're trying to puzzle it out, and then you never think about it ever again. And that movie is just, no, we're going to explain everything to you. We don't have a box office for this. Now, in the future yes. episodes, sometimes oh, we're playing a box office question. game for, yeah. Um, the Korean box office because someone eventually translated that for we us. We didn't have access to the Korean box office for some of the episodes. For the first chunk of episodes and recently a, a listener very graciously took the time to do this for us. But he couldn't get JSA. So we were doing a lot of equivalent American box office weekends but when the film didn't really have an American release. Just looking at the American weekend of when it came yeah, out in Korea. South Korea. Um, which I guess we have to do here because I don't yeah. have anything else for you. But um, but you're right. There might be a chance to fill in those other games somewhere else. Um, Shiri had come out the year before, okay. as I said, in 1999. Okay. Widely regarded as the first true Korean blockbuster. Okay. Broke sales, uh, ticket sales for Korean film. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then broke uh, the ticket sales record for any film, defeating Titanic. Wow. There are then campaign slogans for something called Shiri Syndrome. People sort of, it became this almost like patriotic thing of like, you know, we have to beat Titanic. Like, let's revive domestic cinema, right? Sure. Like, let's beat the dominance of America. JSA comes out in September, early September of 2000. Okay, so this movie sort of became the right vehicle for that energy Everything on top of the Everything is already there. Sure. You know, like people yeah. are already, and this film, uh, Best series total. It's the highest grossing movie in Korean film history. Uh, at the time, makes $29 million. Uh, the next year, there's a movie called Friend that makes $40 million. Okay. So this keeps getting topped. Yeah. Um, but the success is obviously crucial. Mm -hmm. um, there have been many American attempts, as with a lot of these movies, to remake this, uh, which has never happened. But as with every single fucking foreign, like, film or television show yes. set on the border, America's like, what if we set it in the U.S.-Mexico border? Not the same. Not the fucking same! Not the fucking same. It's this so is, stupid! Talk about a movie that is so specifically tied to its culture, its time, its place, that yes. cannot be transmuted onto something else. And, and like, uh, you know, the thing I'm mostly thinking of, obviously, is the FX show The Bridge, which took this show that was set between Denmark and Sweden uh -huh. and was like, it's set during the, you know, between America and Mexico now. And obviously like there's border, you know, there's art to be made about the border. It's not like it's uninteresting, sure. but it's like not easy to transpose. Look, David Franzoni, the guy who wrote Gladiator, uh -huh. 
and Amistad uh, wanted to direct a JSA remake in America. Uh, in 2019, after 14 years of near silence, announced it mm -hmm. with Ana de Armas and Demian Bashir. Weird. Um, and uh, it was going to be about like, a U.S. Marine and a female Spanish infantry lawyer sent by The Hague to investigate a shootout between U.S. Marines and Mexican Special Forces. Like, obviously, this has never happened. Yeah. Doesn't make any when sense. When was that announcement? 2019. Wow. Okay. Uh, in 2014, however, this film was adapted into a Korean stage musical. Wow. Uh, which got kind of bad reviews. Okay. Um, the film did get some good reviews uh -huh. in uh, America when it was finally released in like 2005. But uh, yeah, its, its impact in Korea is much more crucial to consider, I think. Uh, Tarantino was an early booster for this he movie. Was. Obviously, he's yes. a big park booster in general. But he has put it on, I don't know, there's some he's list. He's got this list. I have the list in front of me. I want to read it quickly because I do find it interesting how many of these movies we've actually covered. But he loves the distinction of like, my favorite movies since I started making movies. The moment I'm not just watching as a fan, I'm watching as a fellow filmmaker. And these are basically like the 20 movies since Reservoir Dogs that he was jealous of. Right. Okay. Battle Royale. Right. Which he goes on about all the right. time. That's like his number one. Uh, Woody Allen's anything else weirdly. He's which always been a huge. He fucking loves like and also thinks it's quietly a time travel movie, I think. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I'd love to hear the. Yeah. Takashi Mike's Audition. Yeah. Yeah. Soy yeah. Hark's The Blade. Yeah. Great movie. Boogie Nights, Dazed and Confused, sure. Dogville. Fight Club, Friday. Hell yeah. The host. It's a great list. Right. And then here we're getting to some blank check shit. The Insider. Great movie. JSA. Hell yeah. Lost in Translation. They'd be lost. The Matrix, though he hates the sequels. He's wrong. He's very wrong. Yes. Memories of a Murder. Memories or of, of murder. murder. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Police Story 3. Mm. Is that the one with Michelle Yeoh? Yeah, that's like super Front cop. and center? Yep. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Uh -huh. Speed. Goes too fast. Team America World Police. Yep. Unbreakable. America, fuck yeah. Unbreakable. Amazing. Yeah. Mr. Glass, they call him So that. we've covered several of those and have maybe one more that will be discussed soon. Uh, but the other one he always says is that uh, Sunshine would be on that list if not for the last half an hour, which he is wrong about. Um. Yeah. Well, let's do the box office for September 8th, 2000. We've actually done it before. It's the way of the gun's box office. Fuck. Number one As the you said, office. though, there's no way you remember that one. No. That episode is really... Uh, the, um, the box office game, the, the website, mm -hmm. the other day did a top five two days after we had recorded it, and I still got a bunch of it wrong. Um, yeah, it's hard to remember this stuff. Yes. Number one of the box office, okay. opening to only $9 million. It's a new film. Hmm. Uh, it is coasting off the success of 2000. Uh, a 1999 hit. Um, and boosting its star, who's actually not really the star. Uh, he's more of a supporting character in the film. It's the villain, actually. The Witcher? The, the, the fuck, Watcher. The Watcher. That's what I meant. That's yes. what it is. The James Keanu. Spader and Keanu Reeves yeah. in The Watcher. It's that weird poster where he's third build, but they make his name wide. Uh, correct. James Spader, Marissa Tomei, Keanu Reeves. Um, the Watcher, which in my memory is not very good. No, and had like three very low number one weekends. Um... 
Yes. Because there was just so little competition. Yeah, two. Two. Okay. It, it was number one for two weeks, though. It was number one the next week at $5 That's million. What I, I just that remember it being insane. comically low number one. Number two of the box office is a dark comedy from, at the time, quite a hot name in the dark comedy film world, a playwright. Huh. Uh, he still is working, um, but, you know, the, his that, career has gone in an interesting direction. Uh, is it Nurse Betty? Yes. Could Neil only be you, you were really Could only be Neil Labute or yep. David Mamet. Yep. And obviously uh-huh. David Mamet at this point was a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, Both Neil Labute's still kind of early ish. Weird directions. Uh yeah. yeah. Um the Did you see that it was circulating down on Twitter the other day, the supercut of Val Kilmer's commentary for David Mamet's Spartan, where it's just him okay, shit talking Mamet. Of course I watch every fucking second of it. Incredible. 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 Um, one of the greatest uh, bitches of all time, Val yeah. Kilmer. In a gr- yeah. I say that uh, right. with admiration. Yeah, and he just goes, "It's such a weird man with those with those fucking glasses." He's so Are you kidding mean me? about his personal appearance? It, it's true. <laughs> Number three at the box office is a, t- a hit teen comedy. Uh, she's all that. No, that's ninety nine. Hit teen comedy two thousand. Uh, it's not ten things I hate about you. That's ninety nine as well. Uh, what distributor? Um, it's from Universal. It's Universal. It's a hit. Mm-hmm. It lingers. It lingers. I like the cranberries. It lingers. Tell me about the star situation on this picture. The big teen star has had a long career, was nominated for her first Oscar a couple years ago. Uh, is it a Kiki? Yep. Is it Bring It On? Bring It On. Great film. Yes. Number four at the box office is a... Serial killer, horror, thriller from a definite blank check director. And we'll do this one day. We will do this movie someday. Uh, we'll probably do this director one day. Okay. It's like an easy four. It's five, I think. It's an easy five. They're, but they're definitely a blank checker. This was his first film. This was his first But like film. an underrated, like uh, people, some people are obsessed with this guy. And a lot of people sort of forget he exists. Interesting. We've done, we've talked about all it, wh- these movies. Why has he made, why has he made so few films? I don't know. Ask him. He just he works in famous frequently. commercials and music video director. Okay, okay. Uh, it's Tarsum's The Cell. Tarsum sings The Cell, uh, which rocks in my opinion. Totally, yep. it's kind of like a smooth brain movie, but it totally rocks and it looks amazing. Isn't that the one that were famously like Ebert gave it a great review and everyone else trashed it, and he was just like, "Was I watching a different movie than everyone else?" And then he found out he was. Oh, really? They, like, screened him the director's cut? That has definitely happened, but I can't remember if it's The Cell. Um, My memory is it was that one, but I, I might be uh, confused. I don't think it's else. The Cell. I think it's something else, because I know okay. what you're talking about, but it's I don't think... I can't yeah. remember. Someone uh, tweeted us. Okay, number five, uh, space comedy. A space comedy. It's not Pluto Nash. No. It is the year 2000. It's August, September? Yeah, from a huge auteur. Uh, yeah, it came out probably, like, early August. Huge O'Tour space comedy. Sorry, I'm playing with a toy car on my desk. It's making noise. I got a little Christine. Different Carpenter's Christine. Um, huge space comedy. O'Tour director. Give me the distributor. Oh, Warner Brothers. It's a Warner Brothers picture. And he is one of Warner Brothers' most stable. Oh, it's Space Cowboys. Space Cowboys! I, I should just, space comedy, think as literally as possible. Pretty much is what it is. Yeah. They're in space and it's a comedy. Those space cowboys. They get People said old people couldn't go to space. They did. They proved them wrong. Yeah. 
and only one of them died. Yes. Well, well, died a hero. Dies yeah. a hero. Yeah. Um, that's the box office. Okay. Um, next week we discuss sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. We do with yes. David Ehrlich, our yes, friend David right. Ehrlich of IndieWire and Fighting the War Room returning to the show. But we have all kinds of exciting guests coming. We do. We Look, we've, as we said, done all but the last two episodes mm-hmm. of this miniseries, and I think it's a good one. Yeah. Does David resent the amount we have to talk about child murder? Yep. 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 Got really, really upset and angry. Doesn't today. like it, but Not I think joking. the episodes are good. He got very angry. Very angry. Uh, not at anyone, just in my house alone. Well, angry at fictional child murder. Uh, well, yes, I think you have nothing but contempt angry, for yeah. those characters. Yes. Yes. Um, but it's okay because I don't have to watch that movie again because I just watched it. David, you know how you were saying uh, you don't run the internet friend database. You don't have an ability no. to track when friendships started and how they started and all of that. Uh, I purchased something recently because we got our, our display, our sort of like uh, blank check menagerie here in our office of a combination of movie merch and sort of like uh, uh, items that demarcate the history of our show and its existence, right? Yeah. And we have a couple uh, of, like, the coins that we've made, the Comedy Points coins and the the Chip Smith coins. And as I've been, like, arranging the tableau, I'm always like, how do you display... So toys up there. There are a lot of toys up there. How do you display the coins because sure. they don't sit upright? So I went to Amazon. I got these little plastic coin stands, right? Oh, fun. So you can have them standing up vertically. But also, I've been moving apartments and going through a lot of my old stuff and weaning through it. And you know what I found, David? That now fits perfectly into these coin stands I purchased. What? Something that would belong on the Internet Friend database. Now, just for the listeners at home, David is at the edge <laughs> of his seat. I am literally at the opposite of the edge of my seat. Okay. <gasps> that is a videology drink token. A wooden videology drink token that we would get when we won trivia. This is basically the physical token of our friendship You're being not right. wrong. I have to right? document this. That's that's a little Go ahead and that's document a little it. sweet to it's put It's a little up. sweet. It's a little sweet. I think I have one of those rattling around somewhere too. I remember I had seeing preserved one. one at some point when when I realized they yeah. were closing and I didn't You'd always you'd get I had your my wooden chip. Yeah. Get a couple bucks for a tip. Yeah. Get a drink. Yeah. But that's that's now it's going to go prominently on display next to the the beta joke envelope. Oh yeah, Ben's uh, porches forty Piacon. Lego Piacon, carefully assembled Fucking by Marie Barty. King Ralph VHS. Yeah, and are you going to set volleyball. up the Lego uh, set that we were sent? That's a big project. I feel like we're waiting for like a, a the right surface for it. Yeah, that could be an episode. This is this is a hum- oh my god! Wait, you're right. Maybe that this, would be fun. It's a would real. It? This is a real humble brag. I mean, like yes or yes, yes. maybe. It needs no, a visual maybe. element, it, or yeah. something yeah. else. It can't just us being going like, "Hey, can you? I need like kind of a long yellow guy." You know, like say what it is though. Our fr- uh, Chris Chris McKay, director of the Lego Batman movie. Is that how you say his name? I believe. I think I'm not getting that wrong. Sure, I believe you. It's spelled McKay. I believe it's right. pronounced McKay. And cool. if I'm Wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, fine. Chris. He's wrong. Doesn't matter. We did the Lego Batman movie on Patreon. Yeah. And then much to our surprise, uh, a month or two later, he sent us an incredibly nice note and the two biggest Lego sets. They are big. We have the Batcave I and then we have the Joker's version of Wayne Manor. But we haven't built them yet because we need proper space to place them. Yeah. They will They will go somewhere. I promise. Yeah, we'll figure it Behind out. Behind an unused drink token. All right, take us out, Griff. Thank you all for listening. It's going to be a fun miniseries. We can say this because we've recorded most of them. Mm-hmm. And we got great guests coming up. 
Yeah. Some first timers, some returning favorites, some overdue. There's smiles, there's laughs, there are tears. There's David saying, We're not really wrapping it up right now. David pounding his fist on the desk and saying, don't make me watch Child Murder again. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media, helping to produce the show and also building Lego Piacon and placing him on top of the mantle. There he is. Thank you to J.J. Birch for our research. AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing. Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including our Patreon Blank Check special features where we do commentaries on film series. We are crossing the oceans now. And uh, Little Drummer Girl's coming up there. Should right. we say what we're doing July 11th? Is this a good place to say it? No. Because we've recorded the other episodes that will come out after this where we would reveal it already true fine go ahead and i'm say gonna it. say it we're doing something really nerdy on patreon that i think people will like for july 11th right we're doing an episode called spread master's delight in which david who infamously has a spreadsheet right that includes what he would nominate in every single oscar category for every year we have uh, uh we're gonna randomly generate a year in a category and david will reveal who his nominees would be in that category and I will offer on the spot me trying to come up with who my picks would have been instead. Right, 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 right. I hope you dirty fucking nerd pigs like it. Spreadmaster's Delight. Some real nerdy shit. Tune in next Perchance week. Perchance there may be a spread of the edible sort. Ben asked us if we had nut allergies. <laughs> I don't. And also what our bread preference is. So who knows what kind of bit he has planned there. Impossible to predict. Who knows? Tune in next week for Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And as always, get ready for a loud child murder. No, no, we no. Have to, we do. No. It's happening. It's a lot. <laughs> David. Knock my lamp down. Dang.